Well, you make a good pie. We Chinese, Chinese restaurant in Brentford fucking killer. Yeah? <laughs> the, um, the Japanese bakery in Young, the town of Fermi, fucking exceptional. Yeah, only Asians. <laughs> why don't the French set up bakeries? Because why would the French do I don't know, they've got better opportunities <laughs> <laughs> to do other things. Because they can be white in France and fucking be dominant. That's inherent racism, too. Yes, it's true. But, yeah. Look, good on you. Sorry, Ken Bowman's making killer pies out here. Love it. Yeah, got voted best pie in Australia. Joe, will you kick in? Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm late, guys. No worries. I'm the best, you know. <laughs> I have like all these rants that people, I like hate it when people are not on time. And then I'm like, fuck. And then we when can't I'm really late. can't really complain because you're doing us the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, but you can complain. I said I would do it, and then I was late, yeah, and I hate it. You want me to complain more? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you're happy with the current level? Okay. I'm happy, it's good. Um, What number are we? Shit. Oh, 23. 23 or 20? Ooh. It is 23. Well done. Alright, Lab Meeting 23 begins. Um, and with us today, we have a marine biologist from the C3 lab. A former three minutes thesis champion oh. and the first friend I ever made at UTS, Caitlin Lawson. Because we met in the line for the sausage sizzle Good at the opening day. Yeah. That's uh-huh. right. That was a long time ago now. <laughs> I remember that. That was good. Yes. We uh, had that little like intro from Booth just before, I think. He got his Velcro wallet out. Oh, love the Velcro wallet. <laughs> Dude had a Velcro wallet. Yeah, classic stories. Um, yeah. Did he have socks and sandals on or just sandals? Look, I just, I don't remember, but I assume. Yeah. I assume that they probably yeah. were. It was amazing. And Charles Lushliffe was in there as well. So was Shannon. Shannon was in there? Yeah. Because I met Shannon in another line, I think just after that for the student IDs. Classic. It was all about lines. That's where you meet people. Mm. <laughs> um, how are you? How's your week been? Good. It's all all over the place. It is. At the moment. I'm setting up last experiment at the moment. The last experiment ever? <gasps> for this PhD. Yes. I say that. Probably a hundred new things will turn up and then I'll get roped into them. But for the current plan of my thesis, this is the last experiment that needs to be run. Alright, how far are you? My three years is up in February. Okay, cool. You're yeah. further in than I thought. That's right. <laughs> so not that much. I'll probably push it back to August next year. That's a six-month cool. extension. Um, cool. So we always start with a chance for you to express yourself creatively <laughs> and tell people how your PhD feels through an analogy. Have you brought anything to this exercise? And just like, nah, like, Fuck it. No, look, me. I thought about it. I'm not a creative person. <laughs> That's fine. I was like, so my go-to was always Harry Potter. So I was thinking about Harry Potter analogies in there. But then I felt that Harry beat Voldemort too many times for it to represent my PhD. There were too many wins for Harry. (laughs) 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 It's like the alternate story of Harry Potter. I don't know. So then I was like, maybe Lord of the Rings. That's the other go-to. I was like, maybe Gollum. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Could be Gollum. That could work, but then I feel like not a pop culture, but just like an image of how the start of my PhD was. I said this to Sam earlier today. She's like, okay, it's a bit dark, but I feel how it's accurate. Evolves. 
no. from Smeagol. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no, just like, just nothing works for Gollum. Oh, okay. It just, yeah, it just doesn't true. go well for Gollum. Peter Woods did much the same thing. Oh, did he? <laughs> that was his one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They generally end up being very dark. Well, yeah. I mean, he does have the ring for many, many, many years. So I feel like that's successful. I know. Like the image that I had then not related to pop culture, but just like how I was in a PhD. Um, so if you're imagining you're going mining and you're like, you're at a cliff face and you've got your tools and you're just hammering away at the mountain, you're hammering and just no impact. Everyone else around you is they're hammering and they, they you can see impact. They're getting in there. They're finding shit. But no, you just the same shit and you're just hammering and nothing happens and you don't know why. You don't know why it's not working. And you just have to keep hammering. That's so sad. Yeah. But then eventually, at like the, a year and a half mark of my PhD, smashed through. Mm. I had my little, my little diamond in there, but then I feel the diamond shattered. But then I'm like, <laughs> the time, then like the remainder of the PhD is like, there's still diamond, but it's just kind of piecing it back together. Like you found it, it's working. You just need to put it together. And that's where I feel like I'm at. It's a little bit dark. I apologize. It's dark <laughs> to people who are a year and a year and a half. Ago, I apologize. That's cool. That's cool. Look, I think also I'm not a typical example of how a PhD generally no. goes. I know I've had everything go wrong that could possibly go wrong mm, right fun so yeah okay cool but it's better now <laughs> yay that's stick it out yeah stick it out and then it does pay off eventually oh what's that so yeah. Yeah. right so what's your phd actually about <laughs> because i had a little look see on your page on the c3 website oh yeah and i saw words like volatiles Ice and cream. Love and it. I have no idea what those things are. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, my original project plan was to look at the production of isoprene in coral reef systems. And it does what? Isoprene is a volatile gas. Excellent. Which mm-hmm. means it is highly reactive. So it's gonna react really, really quickly as soon as it's emitted, it's gonna whatever's around it will probably react with it. It mm-hmm. doesn't have a I think it's lifetime in the atmosphere, it's like a few hours it's like super fast makes it really fun to work with Um, and reason that we wanted to go down this direction is because isoprene is emitted a lot of plant scientists will know of it because it's emitted in huge quantities from a lot of plants and it's like overall global emissions into the atmosphere on par with methane emissions so like there's a lot of it there's There's a shit ton that's getting into the atmosphere and in the plants, it's hypothesized to have roles in thermal tolerance that can help um, the plants deal with the super high temperatures. And so all is it being released into the atmosphere because we are tearing down more plants? Like, no. if it's always been in plants, it would always be in the atmosphere. Or is it just because yeah, no, it's, it's always going to be, it's always there. It's fine. It's just like, um, we just wanted to know if corals were producing it if they were doing it um if that was happening because no one like there'd been one of um dave's previous students back in essex did some work and reported that symbiodinium the algae that lives inside corals does in fact produce ice cream so like cool caitlin can do that didn't work (laughs) just like shut that down um no no success none none 
It's brutal. Did you write that up? <laughs> no, we well, had no success because we don't have the right equipment to measure it. Um, it's not like I measured it and it wasn't there. No, specifically here, that I do not have access to machines that have the capacity to measure it, which is really fun after you spend a year and a half trying to make things work. Yes, uh, but at least you figured out <laughs> at that point in time and quickly made a change. Yeah. Two. <coughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. <coughs> we can do as much editing as we want. <laughs> as much as you want. Um, to all volatiles. All of the gases. Oh, so you're measuring all volatiles. <coughs> Not now, just now I'm measuring all volatiles. That's good, because you don't want yeah. to restrict yourself either, because there yeah. could be something really cool happening yeah. in something else, and if and you can measure everything, then you should just do exactly. it. Don't even type there. Exactly. I'm a bit free. But yeah, like, the, the reason it changed up, because I think after like uh, almost a year of failure, um, I managed to convince um, some of the technical officers that the reason it wasn't working wasn't because of me, but because there was actually a problem with the machine. It took a long time for them to believe that. So I eventually um, convinced them to get a technician out to look at the machine. Um, and I was obviously interested in how he was going to fix the machine because I'd spent so much try time trying to make it work myself. So I started chatting to him a bit, and um, before he became a technician, his work was on isoprene in plants, and I'd never oh, met someone before random. who worked yeah. on isoprene other than like Dave, who had students, but yeah. who was actually knew about it. And I was physically like, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I was like, oh my god! So I got really excited. <laughs> oh my god! You know what isoprene is? So. Then I pretty much followed him around for the three days he was here fixing the machine. I was like, hey, let's have lunch together. Let's tell me, tell me about isoprene. What's going on? And I asked him if he knew anyone in Sydney who was working on isoprene at the moment. And he told me about this guy, Malcolm Possell, at the University of Sydney. And I'd read Malcolm's papers because he's done isoprene work, but all of them were when he was um, at the University of Lancaster in the, no, in the no. UK. Mm. So I didn't realise he was he moved and he was working yeah. literally up the road. It's like, oh my god. So yeah, I got in contact with Malcolm um, about doing some ice cream work and he's got this system to measure like these um he uses these tubes, they're like little like metal straws almost, like little tubes, and they're coated with this substance um, that when you pass a gas or air or whatever through it, all the volatiles that are in the air will stick to that oh, coating. Okay. So you can cap it, take it away and measure it. Here's the machine. It's set up. It's there. It works. Which was like, oh That's my god. That's convenient. I was like, I'm going to do that for my PhD. That works. Thank you. And that's... And so, yeah, it was um, one year to the day from my, the start of my PhD that I went out and saw the machine that worked for the first time. Oh, wow. And then, of mm. course, that's the new machine. So then it was another six months or so of getting it working and tailoring it to what I needed and all the rest. Yeah. So, very slow start. Yeah. I mean, in that time, I did kind of go back and um, do some analysis, like reanalyze stuff, um, bacterial stuff that I did in my honours. So then because I reanalyzed it when everything was failing in my first year, I can now use it for my PhD. So that's my uh, second chapter of my PhD done. Mm, nice. Which worked. 
which was a nice shortcut. Yeah. Well, you deserve it. I mean, you would have got all the dirty things, you know. Yeah. I've been working. I don't know. I'm just trying to imagine what my PhD would have been like if we had a working machine from the very start. Yes. Like a dream. Mm, A dream. That's so much done. So much done. Yeah, cool. (laughs) So what's your last experiment directing towards? I mean, sure there's intellectual property issues surrounding this. So don't tell us everything. No, it's all secret. Um, but yeah, so I'm measuring all the total volatiles and I started off doing some cultures of the algae symbiodinium that yeah. lives inside corals. Um, and then, so the first part of the PhD is screening a wide range of these algae to look what they're producing. And then the experiment I'm doing now is going to tack onto that early work, which is just going to be a heat stress experiment uh-huh. on a couple of these strains of algae that tend to dominate on the Great Barrier Reef to see how under stressful conditions, the volatiles that they produce change. Are we suddenly seeing a lot more of certain types of volatiles being emitted, which has relevance as to whether then the algae or the corals are using it for themselves to help deal with the stress, to help, uh, like, antioxidant properties? Mm. Or then if they're not using it but it's just getting emitted, if it's getting emitted as a waste product of some other process, but then a lot more of it's getting emitted into the atmosphere. And a lot of these gases can end up impacting the climate, whether it's like through forming secondary organic aerosols and thereby thereby impacting cloud cover um, and then cooling their local climate. But then a lot of these other gases, isoprene is one of them, that when they continue to react, those reactions end up extending the lifetime of like tropospheric ozone and like quite nasty greenhouse gases and not great. So Mm. if our reefs are suddenly kicking out huge amounts of these nasty chemicals I feel like we should probably know about it. Yeah. Maybe. Or at least mm. know that it's happening. Yeah. So that's some pretty funky work then. Yeah. And then in February of this year as well I went and spent a month and a half up at Heron Island Research Station no. doing field experiments up there to do same kind of thing that I'm doing here but with whole corals. Right? So they did a heat stress period? No. So they were they didn't bleach at the time. The water was 27, 28 degrees, which is kind of standard. Um, and you got that as flow through for my tanks. I collected the corals and then took them up to 32 degrees. Oh, okay. Freak them out. Mm. Sort of start bleaching, killing all my poor little corals. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just gotta destroy some results. It's always a little bit sad to have to bleach up my algae when done with it or kill the corals. Yeah. But valuable information. True. Did you know you can make plastics from ice cream? Yes. Yeah. Rubber. 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 Yeah. Okay, rubber. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I know ice cream. Yeah. No, I had no idea until. Polymers the moment. I heard them talk about it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my friend does stuff on ice cream and <laughs> corals, and she was like, what? Yeah. There's ice cream and corals, and yeah. I was like, well. Yeah. Start mining <laughs> coral reefs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 make more rubber. <laughs> No, there's a lot of work actually out there on ice cream because they do use it to make mm. synthetic rubber. It's emitted by humans, by some bacteria, by a shit ton of plants, and all like it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's crazy shit. But I like Amazing. it. There you go. Yeah, so that's cool. Cool. So, word along the grapevine is that you've recently been to a very niche conference high in the Swiss Alps. <laughs> Largely remote and rather expensive chalet. 
can you elaborate further on that? The um, dream. Tell us what kind of conference it was. You told me it wasn't very big, but well, the rest honest. is clearly made up. Yeah, but no, let's, <laughs> or is be, it? let's be honest, conferences are based on location. As if you're going to go to a conference that's in some shitty place. Like Perth? <laughs> no, Perth. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Or like, I, just, I just like up the road or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or like, I don't know, there was one in Seattle this year. Like, that's okay, but I'm not going to push really hard. Yeah, but the year before it was in Miami. Like, yeah. You gotta, you gotta pick and choose. You pick and choose what you want to push for. <laughs> Anyways, please. Anyway, so this was not a choral conference per se, not which is the all. interesting thing about it. Yes, yeah. So um, I went to a choral conference at the end of last year, and that was really good. It was really interesting. It was at the University of Oxford. It was really good. It was mm-hmm. valuable. Massive choral community there. It was really good. But yeah, like when I was in my... Is there much coral near Oxford? No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, but because there's a lot of coral work there. That just because there's a lot of money. No, they're actually the UK are really tight on funding. It's much harder to get funding in the UK than it is here. Okay. But no, in um, because I mean, a lot of the, they've got so many universities there, and a lot of them. True. Um, like over at Essex, where Dave used to be, they have a massive coral collection there that they maintain mm. and grow. And a lot of them, they run and go head out to Indonesia or Palau or oh, whatever yeah. for their field work. So the whole the conference was the European Coral Reef Symposium. Right. Hence why it was in Europe. Which is not a very corally. I was gonna say, is there any coral reefs in Europe? <laughs> Maybe Spain? There's the colonies. Yeah. Oh, oh right. The colonies. All of the so, like, colonies. A lot of like, you know, in the okay. Caribbean and all the rest cool. of various cool. around there and mm-hmm. some of the Pacific. No. But, but that was yes, the coral conference. That was the coral conference. So in my like my dark ages, the beginning of my PhD, when nothing was working, I was desperately emailing whoever I could get, like, whichever paper I read, and be like, oh, they did it. I'm going to message them about their methods. Um, and I got in contact with this um, woman, Claudia Vickers, who's done a lot of ice cream work. She's up at UQ. Because um, I was looking then desperately for conferences where I could go meet people who could tell me how to measure ice cream. Mm. And... She told me there was one at the time, but it wasn't very appropriate for me. But she told me about this conference called Biogenic Hydrocarbons and the Atmosphere, which I was like, that sounds really cool. That's Ooh, what I'm measuring. Very <laughs> That's what I'm measuring. But yeah, and that was the one I've just been to. So she told me about it a couple of years ago. I was like, it's not for two years and no help. But now that I've just been, it was an excellent conference. It was really good. And yes, it was in the Swiss Alps. Maybe。You know, it's a challenge. Who gets to choose that stuff? Like, honestly. It wasn't a chalet. It was in a chalet, but it was like a four-star hotel in a skiing village in the Alps. Um, Amazing. It was just... Yeah. Amazing. It was be
So, um, yeah, no, and it's all single session. You don't, so students don't get a chance to present, but they have all the poster sessions, which you go in, I had a poster. And because students don't get a chance to present, all the academics, like the big names in the field, they really make an effort. You can tell they make oh, an effort cool. to come around and talk to everyone who has a poster. Yeah. yeah. Which was so cool. And it was so valuable because I spoke to all these people who were like the godfathers in the field. Like they're these massive names. And they're coming in like, oh, so why did you do this? And what, what about this? Have you thought about that? And I'm like, oh my God, that's not yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me write down, write down. Write. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. So... And I think probably the best thing about the conference is the way they structured it. You had morning session, go back for lunch, and then you had three hours free time. Oh, that After is lunch, nice. When everyone's like, you're a bit full, you can't concentrate for that long. You're falling asleep. Everyone's mm. getting sleepy, you can't think, like, and you want to take everything in, but it just yeah. gets very intense. Yeah, the big conferences so, are too much. Yeah. Like, back-to-back sessions, like, yeah. eight... I don't know, consecutive sessions, it's like exactly. three sessions a day. Or I know, and you, there's so many things, and you're like, I don't want to see that too, and you end up running between yeah. rooms to try and catch everything. And then if people aren't on time, then you yeah. get messed up. And, and then you miss what you want. It's just so, no, so you have your free time, you go off, you're in the Alps, so you literally walk out the door, and there's a mountain. You're like, you go run out and find the cows up on the mountainside oh, and get up and like, like take off. Um, I found an alpine salamander. Oh, really cool. Where? Like in a stream? No, no, it was on because there'd been a lot of rain. We had, like, the first few days of the conference, it was very wet. Um, And so they came out, and I was, like, just going for, like, a walk. Came out of where? Like, what is a salamander doing in the mount? Okay, right. It is aquatic. (laughs) What is it doing on a mountain? No, no, there's really, I mean, it's all this snow melt everywhere. There's big rivers everywhere. Um, He was so cute. There's a little black one. And I kind of like stopped on the path and he thought I was shelter. So he came up next to my foot and like curled in to hide from me underneath my foot. It was the cutest little thing. It was so wow. I'd never seen a salamander before. I got very excited. Yeah, that's not in the wild. I didn't even know they existed in the wild. <laughs> what? I've just seen them in fish tanks. Oh my God. I did definitely get back to the hotel and have a Google. I'm like, I just discover a new species. What is this? <laughs> No, you're not. Definitely not. <laughs> but it was really cute. It was really lovely. So, yeah, so you have um, free time for a few hours and then, you know, reset and then go back, have the poster session, and then it runs to, like, 8 o'clock at night. Oh, so that's cool. And then you have dinner. Yeah. It was really it's good. It's a much smarter way of doing it. Yeah, you so you're fitting in the same amount of hours watching conferences, but you get a break in between too. Because that's what the kids do. Yeah. Mm. I mean, a lot of, yes, a lot of the big wigs who know a lot of, like, they sit down and have full-on meetings and plan things, but, I mean, I don't, because you're having breakfast, lunch, and dinner together, and then often drinks after dinner, so much networking time. Mm. I didn't feel like I was missing out, being like, I need to reset and go have a walk. Yeah, yeah. So. Kind of need that good time. Yeah. So it was awesome. And I went paragliding. Mmm, fun. You had the best time whenever you leave the country. You just do cool stuff. I'm doing everything. Like, I'm going. I'm going to make the most. Well, I'm not going to have a life for the next year while I finish this PhD. I'm, like, I'm going to make fun the most stuff. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Go big or go home. Exactly. And it's like one of the... So I jumped from 3,000 metres, and it's like one of two... two of, there's two places in Europe that are the highest possible places to jump from. And this was one of them. Above sea level or just like a jump from... No, 3,000 metres above sea level. 
Um, the valley is about 1,200 metres elevation. It was good. Nice. How long was the glide? Like 40 minutes. Jesus. Was, <laughs> Just um, hanging out for 40 hours. And 40, 40 minutes, minutes, not 40 yeah. hours. But it was so good. So beautiful, and that was like the first day, the morning before the conference started. Yeah. So you check in in the afternoon and evening session go. So that morning I was like, I'm going to go paraglide. I'm going to do it. So what have you done since you've been here? Oh, with I know. <laughs> a lot of them, there was like the seminars, which is more like I think the students present beforehand, but it was a lot more money, and I was already yeah. over budget and I couldn't afford to go. But um, so they'd all be in there at lunch, and I was talking, they're like, yeah, we saw people paragliding. I'm like, me. That was me. Yeah. That was me, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was like me and my friend, and they're like, that was you. I'm like, yeah, I had the orange one. What? We saw you. Oh, that's cool. That's <laughs> so cool. Which was very cool. Definitely so, go paragliding. Science is very much on that. You travel a bit in uh-huh. this capacity of conferences and up to yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. Why did you get into it in the first place? I know you're a little ocean girl and you love the ocean. <laughs> and things it's like true. that but why why did you come into environmental was there any like catalyst for it or you just kind of walked into it yeah well I think what kind of I've always loved the ocean I mean I'm from Canberra yes. we don't have an ocean it's a bit emotional mm. Um, mm. but Same it means me. yeah as you know um, but like all the school holidays and everything you go to the beach and it just becomes almost more special because it's you don't get this normally. It's such a special occasion to go down and explore the rock platforms and all the rest. And I was lucky enough when I was 12 years old to go with my family and my aunt and uncle and we went up to Lady Musgrave Island, which is a coral cay in the southern Great Barrier Reef, just south of Heron Island. Nice. Um, and it's gorgeous. It's like a little island, about the same size as Heron, but there's nothing on it. There's two drop toilets and that's it. You have to carry, you carry your water, you have to camp, you carry all your food, nice. everything. Absolutely. There's a maximum 40 people allowed on the island at one time. Cool. So it's like little and it's stunning and I loved it and it was amazing. And then um, in Canberra, the college I went to, because we do year 11 and 12 is college and it's mm. where weird. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so the college I went to was like, super well known for its outdoor education that you could go and do yeah. and I was like hells yes well that's so you though yeah, literally everything you do is outdoor yeah. so <laughs> let's go and I chose and I was like it was very close to my house which was convenient but also they ran a trip every year to Lady Musgrave Island oh. for the school oh, and I was like I'm going that's this amazing um, and like you go and that was where through that outdoor education that's where I learned for like snorkeling, scuba diving, rock climbing, caving, snowboarding, cross country skiing, like all the outdoor yeah. things you can do, like mountain biking, hiking, camp, all of that, we did through that course, which was amazing. And I applied to go to the reef again, and I went in year 11, which was amazing. Going back and spending two weeks diving and just two weeks on the island straight, nice. and I was just like, I got oh ripped off. In my school, <laughs> like I went to the fanciest school. We didn't have shit. No, yeah. no fun things. We didn't even have food designs, <laughs> which everyone else seems to have. I want a food. Like food design or something, or food tech. I don't know. It's like a thing. Or oh, even like a class, like yeah. cooking. Yeah. Like, what you didn't have food tech. No, you never had food tech. At King Couple, you're telling me they don't yeah. have. A- 
No. Wow. And there was one design and technology class. Well, I learned to cook when you can afford to hire people when you graduate from there. I mean, that's, that would be their logic, yeah. I imagine. But I wish I got to go to the reef. No, nah, we were dodgy public school. Yeah. All the schools were scary. Cameron does good stuff like that. Public schools were the win. Yeah, I swear. It was amazing. But yeah, so that was beautiful. And so, yeah, I went back. I was 17 then. And then the next year, they run the trip again. And I've been like, because I'd also done that trip the first year where you go across to the Nullarbor Plain and spend two weeks caving in the Nullarbor. Nice. Which was in a car system, that's sick. It was so good. Um, but yeah, so then in my like last year of high school, I was like, no, I'm going to finish. Do my exams. I'm not going to go to the reef again. I went last year. Can't really afford it. I'm just, I'm going to not do it. Then three days before they were leaving, he, who's the teacher, he called me. He's like, Caitlin, one of the girls broke a leg. Green. <laughs> yes. Do you, do you want to come? I'm like, oh, Pete, I don't know if I can afford it. He's like, we just got a grant. I'll pay half. I'm like, done. <laughs> I'm going. I was like, okay, you pay half. And then like talked mum and dad into paying half of my half and then I paid the other half like, Green. was like at work I was like As I'm not going to be here for the next two weeks <laughs> sorry um, and so yeah got to go back again very unexpectedly and what kind of hit me then going when I was 12 when I was 17 and then only one year later when I was 18 I could see a change in the island over oh. a one year period mm. I could see and I'm like I love this island this is my house place and you can see it and you go for a walk on the beach and you find some rubbish washed up and like you just like it kind of that hit me I think that was a kind of like I've always loved the ocean like David Attenborough was like my bible growing up and always loved nature but I think seeing that change was when I was like I'm gonna do something with my life that maybe in some little way will help this ecosystem that's Beautiful. all that's like that's that kind of hit and I was like for a long time then I was like do marine biology I'm going to be a tour guide on the reef that was my plan <laughs> it's like I'm going to educate people about the reef they need to know they need to they make this connection they need to care about it I'm mm-hmm. going to take them out there I'm going to show them this beautiful space and then it was like at some point through undergrad I think do you remember um, Kien who was like an ecology yes, demonstrator you were working with Kien yeah and he was like, oh, come on, Caitlin, if you're not going to do research. And I was like, what? am what I going to do research? Is that, is that a thing? thing? I don't know. I haven't thought about that. And that kind of, I think that kicked off the thinking about research. Yeah. Well, Paloma's it's funny. Time. A lot of yeah. people I think don't think they're going to do research. Yeah. And they, end up, they always want to end up in... You don't know it's an option. No, yeah. you don't. And you're like, oh, what the fuck do PhD students do for <laughs> no. three years? Like, so, so you just teach guys, right? Yeah. yeah. And then That's you realise and you're like, oh. So I get a couple of good marks and a couple of people like, hey, what are you doing when you finish? You're yeah. like, I don't know. Mm, I get a job in this it. non-existent industry for yeah. people without degree, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so that kind of kicked me off. And then I was like, volunteered all through undergrad. I did work with Jen Clark. Yeah, um, you were always busy. Yeah, so I did work with her. She was doing macro algae, so I did it with her. Also in the fish lab a lot. I spent a lot of time polishing otoliths. Ooh, rough. A lot of that. That's a skill. But it was it was good. Um, and was going to do honours with Booth. And then I saw the list of projects advertised and Sargent had one. It was like, coral volatiles. I was like, 
Carl's a volatile. What? What does that mean? Carl's? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I sat down for a meeting with him and was like, I'll do this. And I did it. And I haven't stopped. There you go. Just don't stop doing it. <laughs> Just don't stop. That's cool. That's pretty cool. That's how I got into research. Bit weird. Roundabout. But yeah, still here. I'm still here. Well, yeah. When you finish a year, we'll get you back in here and we'll have a chat. Oh, really? Yeah, Marco's already booked himself in. Oh, really? The, yeah. The, the, the day after he's Oh, really? He's like, I'm so excited. I'm so ready. Yeah. And I, so I will admit I hadn't listened to any of your podcasts. No, I'm sorry. It's all good. So then good. last night I was um, procrastinating a little bit. Yesterday afternoon, I was like, I'm just going to listen to a couple and I listen to Marco's. Hilarious. Yeah, it's just fun. It's just Marco being Marco. That's amazing. I just wish more people got to know him. He is great. Alright, well, we might call it there because it's five o'clock on Friday, but um, are you fine with your Twitter being given out? Yeah. You are? Cool. You're great on Twitter. You are. Very at all. You um, have a Twitter and you like it. You promote Twitter. Look, I have Twitter and like I don't post much, but I like using it because I go through and like the only people I follow are like before I was going to the conference, like all the people I wanted to see started following yeah. them. People like I want to see these interested in their work, so I follow them and they always post when it's a work stuff. thing, it's not yeah, a social yeah. thing. I don't follow anyone that's not it's not a work related thing. So no, it's really good and you go through and see, but I don't do I don't post anything. I, I contribute I, nothing. I, <laughs> I just I just take it in. I just don't contribute. Yeah, I only contribute to like AFL based things. Yeah, see. Or when I'm at a um at a conference then yeah. I then I like take photos behind people and like see if they see <laughs> right. stuff like that. Well this was that was one other thing about this conference I was trying to do. It was completely silent you weren't allowed to take photos videos nothing cool so the whole thing is like so people actually presenting what they're working on not what's already published yeah, yeah. and you can't record oh, so IP yeah. yeah i don't know though but people say that all the time like please don't take photos blah, blah, blah. but then people yeah. always do it yeah, yeah but if you keep the yeah. first person out well because this is such yeah. a small group it yeah it's probably small. i guess it was yeah and they put up a thing at the beginning be like you guys all know this is called a conference no photos, no videos, respect each other's work. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's good. All right, well, if you would like to follow the tweets that Caitlin likes by following <laughs> Caitlin, you can. Um, at Caitlin Alinea, I'll put it in the notes of this. Or you can say hey to us at Alum Not Yet or at Pelagic Johnson is me. If you're around, subscribe, rate, review so we can keep building something I don't know what we'll see <laughs> I'm just having thing. fun it is fun it's I reckon fun. we do a live podcast by next year's Sydney Science Festival <laughs> is that too big no you can do okay. it don't have, have big dreams yeah really that's right. fine I feel like Marco will be um, yeah are you doing anything for the Sydney Science Festival are you involved in any way shape or form I'm not very naughty right. of me. Well, I am, so if anyone wants to come and see oh, my yeah. talk at the Cumberland <laughs> Library, oh, hey. um, yeah. come on, August the 16th, you're more than welcome to. Nice. I'm still writing it, I have no idea, it's not working, I've got to get it together. It's going to be magical, I'm sure. Yeah, it's fine, I'll um, see the presentations the morning after. Yeah. yeah. It's 
warning them off. Yeah. <laughs> it's to lay people. I have to get rid of the technical language. <laughs> All right, that'll do. Let's piss off.